This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Real Estate Is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Uh, my name is, is uh, Robin Rivaton, and uh, what, what I love about real estate is the uh, ability to, to change uh, a sector uh, which has been seen like sluggish, uh, which is the real estate industry, uh, which um, uh, just uh, change everybody's lives and the, the way of living, the way of dwelling, the way of uh, working. And uh, this uh, sector has to, has to change, and now technologies uh, can help to, to make uh, the real estate uh, and the assets uh, more fitted with the people's real needs. Hi, my name is uh, Vincent Pavanello. I'm uh, the co-founder of uh, Real Estate Community uh, in France. What I love about real estate is that uh, this sector is uh, at the heart of uh, our economies. In fact, we spend between 90 and 95% of our lifetime uh, in buildings uh, for living, for working, for the retail. So it is very a st big strategic uh, sector for our economies. And uh, because the sector is lagging, it's a big issue for developed uh, economies. In today's conversation, we talk to the authors of Make Real Estate Great Again, pun intended. You'll hear how two friends went from co-founding a real estate technology community in Paris to launching the first ever venture fund dedicated to real estate technology within continental Europe. From New York City, you're listening to Real Estate Is Your Business, powered by Preview, a smart online real estate brokerage providing expert advice without the high fees. With Thomas Kutzman and Scott Pollock. Robin, Vincent, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, you're our first official guest joining us uh, in the studio from Continental Europe. So uh, welcome. Bienvenue. Thank you. Thank you. And what's exciting is you're building a community around real estate technology, prop tech. What inspired the desire or need to start a community? Uh, I think it is uh, what inspired uh, us. It is the gap between the offer and the real demand of people about uh, the real estate uh, assets and the, the, the building in which they, they want to live, in which they want to work, in which they want to, to, to consume or to, to, uh, to buy us, uh, goods and services. And uh, I think this gap uh, has now, has now to, to, be, uh, to be bridged and uh, we, we can do it uh, through the technologies with uh, lots of uh, young entrepreneurs and even some uh, uh, experienced uh, people from the, the traditional established real estate uh, industry uh, who are now uh, in, uh, in position to change, to create uh, buildings uh, we, we can really fit with uh, people's needs. Uh, we can uh, create some, for instance, co-working spaces really fit with the independent, uh, for independent uh, workers or some co-living uh, building to be sure that the, the people, the, your neighbors are the people uh, with, uh, uh, with, uh, with, with them you, you want to, to, to share some experiences, some, uh, you want to create a kind of community and now technologies uh, make it possible and uh, for, for me it is the reason why we create a, a 
real estate as a cluster. We, we have more than 250 startups in France and continental Europe dedicated to transform the real estate industry. And how did you first start the community? Did, was it a few friends that you know shared the, the passion for it, or were there specific entrepreneurs that you connected with? Uh, what were the first days? It was about three friends uh, that are that are liking the, the real estate industry, and uh, we created um, two years ago a website, realestate.eu, in which we published lots of articles on uh, real estate startups. And uh, it was the beginning of uh, of the journey. And then three months later, we decided to organize our first meetup, first event, in which uh, we invited three or four startups uh, to pitch and uh, one or two established companies, so biggest company, like a big constructor or big developer to pitch. And uh, maybe uh, 100 persons attend this uh, first meetup. And now in uh, 10 days, uh, we will organize uh, the 15 uh, meetup, something like that. So it was how the journey began. Yes, each month more than 300 person just gather in Paris uh, on the, the topic of real estate uh, and tech with the ambition uh, of changing the, the way uh, we finance, we build, we uh, we occupy and we we uh, we, we are we manage, we are in charge of, uh, of the building. So uh, we create a kind of very important communi community and it is the very first type of, uh, of real estate kind of even cool events and uh, and production of content because we we really want to to uh, to to show to people that the the fact that uh, real estate cost just growing more and more grow, growing was not a kind of fatality we can make uh, some uh, we can just uh, change that and we can produce better building at a lower cost do you think something's changed recently that has engendered this desire for community in the real estate industry across Europe? Or is this something that's been happening forever and we just didn't see it as much? Uh, I'm curious your perspective on like what, if anything, is new that's kind of birthed uh, real estate. It's new because uh, during during long time people just consider real estate like something we can never change or never never move, and uh, some people just uh, consider at the time and in the, in the recent years that uh, some technologies or some uh, know-how uh, which has been implemented uh, in the travel industry, for instance, in the leisure industry, in the automotive industry, uh, could be uh, replicated uh, in the real estate uh, industry. And uh, we are and this kind of role model uh, person are very important and some of them were are, were and are in uh, established companies. Some of them just uh, launched, have just launched uh, startups. Um, but it's very important to have a role model and uh, some of the very uh, famous uh, uh, guys. In, in uh, for, for instance, uh, in, Fran in France, one of the uh, famous uh, rates uh, CEO just uh, resigned, uh, resigned, and create its own startups just to, to create prefabricated, uh, cross-laminated timber uh, modular buildings, and it. It was a huge success. So people like him just uh, opened the, the path for, for people like, uh, like us. 
And I think that people now are used to collaborate and to work with each other. They work on Slack, on Evernote and on stuff like that. So they want the same thing in their residential building and in their office building. So I think you can explain. And as it relates not only to uh, Real Estec, um you also are both authors of a recent book uh, called Make Real Estate Great Again, mm -hmm. uh, which I, I'm, there's a, a lot of you know, funny play on words there. Um, but um, obviously you have a unique perspective. You did a lot of research on the topic. Uh, I believe you interviewed over 200 companies for the book. Um, what are some of the biggest trends uh, that you found from your research? Uh, the as you said, it is the first book uh, uh, on PropTech. Uh, when you, you go to Amazon, uh, when and when you, you search for PropTech, just before this book, you just uh, find some uh, cleaning uh, cleaning products. <laughs> uh, so um, we we did a intensive uh, work of uh, extensive work of um, of research uh, and a lot of interviews with uh, startup founders to to, to to understand uh, why the, the sector uh, is uh, is changing uh, for me uh, the main trend uh, and uh, is in the construction uh, industry uh, i really think that uh, the way we produce building is uh, now uh, is over and uh, we we can't uh, we can't continue to to produce building uh, like uh, like craftsmanship and we, we have to to move from an industrial uh, uh, perspective and so we we are very uh, fond of uh, Caterra, for for instance, uh, in uh, in uh, in the U.S. But uh, some smaller companies are trying to um, to mix uh, um, building information modeling, uh, modular prefabricated uh, panels, and uh, wood for for instance cross laminated timbers, uh, and they are able to produce uh, building uh, from an industrial uh, perspective and to be able to replicate uh, it uh, on a larger scale and to, to make uh, to to make a cost uh, um, cheaper cheap and cheap, lower and lower uh, and it is uh, the reason why we we created a real estate. So I think uh, construction tech and especially modular prefabricated construction is one of the hottest uh, topic prospect in the in the coming years. It seems like you know to the question from before about why now is there a community? It seems like your answer just now reflects on that, which is that the as the technology you know, across the spectrum of the real estate industries of all from construction to building mm. information management to all of that which comes once a building is is built there's a, a connective tissue that now exists there's information that's learned in the construction stage that then flows to the building management stage etc and so i'm i'm seeing that kind of connection made and the need for a community to to bring that information across the the, what were borders previously in those different segments of the real estate process. And, and the, the, the sector is, is changing now also because uh, the consumers are changing. And uh, now real estate professionals uh, have to pay attention to user experience, which mm. is new, yeah. which, is, which, is, which is a game changer because people and consumers uh, are used to book uh, everything on internet, hotel and stuff like that. So they also want to book, for example, a visit with a real estate agent directly on internet with just one or two clicks. So consumers are changing and now real estate sector uh, react to that and the sector is also changing. 
Uh, as you said, on the demand side, uh, consumers are changing, uh, have new new wishes, uh, and the uh, on the offer side, uh, technologies which which are not very innovative or very new. I mean, prefabricated construction is quite old. It it, it has been used in Europe in the in the 70s, in the 80s, but now people are able to mix. Uh, Data, data, prefabricated uh, construction, new materials such as uh, such as uh, wood uh, or, or or steel, and it is a mix of all these things which are able to create new champions. And not only uh, in the real estate um, industry, the value chain uh, were very fragmented, were very very split into a lot of people, a lot of companies, very small companies which are not able to invest a lot of money to create uh, industry industrial products. And when you look at Catera, for instance, but uh, in, at Houdéum in France, which is a kind of uh, Catera-like in, in France, uh, the guys are able to merge a lot of uh, part of the value chain which, which were in the past split into a lot of actors and they're able to merge it into a real industrial player which is able to control the quality the quality from the beginning to the end of the process to to have a zero default uh, default policy for instance and i think it is more and more like the automotive industry uh, which people able to control and to be industrial player and not only to be kind of supervisor of a lot of small craftsmen uh, which are not able to produce uh, on a regular basis basis and uh, with a lot of quantity. And do you think that that connection there that we're just talking about is what's has the potential to make real estate great? Do you think there's other facets that are kind of to inform the title of your book what are kind of going to this trend of making real estate great, perhaps again? Uh, I think technology, technology and innovation is not everything in the real estate industry. Uh, real estate is the most regulated sector uh, in the world. I mean, by local authorities, by national authorities. Uh, so technology could make uh, could uh, help to make building uh, more. Uh, fitted with the, the people needs but uh, at the end if local authorities don't want to make people to make cities more dense but don't want to create new buildings for, for instance in the Silicon Valley when you look at the local authorities in San Francisco we don't well, don't want, or, or even neighborhood council, which which refuse to build new new buildings because they don't want to have uh, new uh, new neighbors. Uh, technologies can do nothing uh, in, in regard of such uh, such behavior. So I think technology and innovation could do a lot of things, and it's pretty pretty cool and could change a lot of things. But at the end, to to make real estate great again. We need to have very uh, aggressive uh, housing policies to build more build, to build more uh, residential units to build more uh, and to to be able to to destroy. It could be very shocking as that an European from an European perspective to 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 say that, but we need to destroy more and more building to be able to create new ones and not to be totally uh, attached uh, mm-hmm. by the or burned by 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 the past do you do you think this is a part of a bigger topic not just in about construction and building faster and and more technologically but um, the trend of urbanization uh, more people 
living in cities um, than ever before. Um, do you think that's a part of it, the urbanization? More and more people want to live in a urban area, in metropole, and not, not even urban area, but metropolis. Uh, it's because it's uh, where we are able to create money, we are create to create growth, and the natural uh, evolution of capitalism is exchange so people have to make uh, and have to to connect each other and have to to meet each other it's the reason why we come from new york today and uh, uh, to new york today for, from paris because we have to to meet and to exchange uh, physically uh, so uh, more people will come in the very heart of the city and uh, from my perspective all the thesis about uh, remote uh, work or uh, uh, it's it's not true. Uh, people have to live in the very heart of cities. So the main uh, answer to to tackle this issue is to make city more denser, to to make city uh, able to to uh, to uh, uh, attract more and more people. Yes. Uh, in fact, we explain that in the book, but for us, um, density leads to productivity. So if you want to create wealth, you have to put in the same uh, area uh, some engineers, some uh, commercial guys, some businessmen, and you have to put them all together and then they can create startup uh, and stuff like that. That's what <coughs> we can um, observe uh, in the successful startup in the US because uh, in Harvard or in Stanford, you have all that kind of people that are together. It's not the case in France because you have uh, the business uh, school and uh, one hour from the business school, you have the engineer school. So in fact, um, one of the big issues for city like Paris in the future, in the coming years, is to put together all that uh, skills to create a real estate startup or to create innovation. Yeah, because Paris you know, obviously has a, you know, many historic buildings. You don't have the same level of skyscrapers and you know, large buildings. Um, but it also presents a you know a challenge with also moving all of that the densely populated uh, you know, people. How do you how do you move them all around efficiently? Uh, well, we have a lot of historical buildings, but when the guy just the main guy at the at the end of the nineteenth century just built this building, was, the guy was called uh, Osman. Uh, he just uh, and he, he just uh, imagine a kind of perfect city for all uh, social uh, social classes to be inside the same building so the the richest one were at the first and the second stage the middle class were the fourth third fourth and fifth stage and the 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 less deprived people were at the at the, at the highest point of the, the building uh, and but the same the, the all the the city all the social class were located in the same building and it creates a new Paris. But when he did that, he destroyed a lot of historical building from the medium, from the Middle Age. And some people at the time just said, "He's crazy. He's totally destroying the the patrimony, the historical uh, architectural story of uh, of Paris." So it is the same now. We have to keep some parts of the city because it's part of uh, our history, it's part of uh, our patri patrimony, but we have to be able to create building fit for real people needs from now. I think it's an interesting just question around where cities are and where they should be, right? There's the, obviously the focus right now on Paris, for example, New York. They are cities with relatively small areas 
And so it brings to light the question of do we need to destroy in order to rebuild for a modern future where kind of ignoring the past there. But cities are always based around like trade ports on the water that may not necessarily be as critical these days in the age of information being shared as, as much. Can new cities be forged in areas that have less density already, that have more of an open space to kind of bring people to it? I think that's that's a question I don't feel like is being asked as much. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a very good question because uh, as now we have some very cool technologies to build new buildings, we we can we can uh, uh, we can wonder why to, to not to build this uh, on a new new area. And it is uh, what uh, Bill Gates did in the Arizona, for instance. We, we is trying to create uh, its own smart smart, but uh, also new city just uh, in the uh, in Arizona. Um, but I think uh, if people have just settled in such area in New York, in Paris, London, Beijing, uh, and so on, Istanbul, uh, and so on, for centuries and even millennials, uh, it will be very, very difficult to make uh, them moving. And uh, you you will see in the in the next uh, years or, or centuries. I mean, the rising level of sea will make uh, some cities like New York or London or uh, even Istanbul, uh, just more and more uh, be victims of floodings. Uh, and and it's my point of view, it's, uh, but I really think that it, people will continue to live in such cities because uh, we we have done it for millennials and I, we don't we are not ready to change. It's interesting to think about you know what cities exist today. Um, versus what cities can exist in the next hundred yeah. years. And when that process of saying, because of climate change and overpopulation and just the density that has nowhere to move to, um, buildings that are uh, you know don't want to be destroyed to build something that can hold more people, when does that start? When do people start to move to an area to populate a new smart city, for example? Just one point on the direct access to the sea, which can be strategic. Paris has always been an exception. London leads the, the world because of the direct access to the sea, New York, and now some Chinese city. If we take this, uh, this logic, Le Havre or Bordeaux should have been the French capital and the French biggest economic city. So Paris has always been an exception. But which is very interesting is that now, and I agree with you, the direct access to the sea or to the trades is not as strategic as it was before. But in France, the cities that are really that are growing now have direct access to the sea, Nantes, Bordeaux, cities like that. So it's a difficult phenomenon uh, in France. But uh, just to, to add a few words on the, on the question about uh, uh, when people uh, will decide to, to move and when a city can become toxic and it can make people just uh, living out. Uh, I think there is. It's we have never seen it for, for, for so far. And when you go to to Lagos, for instance, or Lecaire, it is twenty million inhabitants metropolis without any amenities, without any uh, facilities. Just uh, I mean, like uh, water or even sanitation, uh, and and. Uh, People continue to to go to the capital, continue to go to the city because they know that the prospect for them, but also for their children, will be better in this city than if they 
continue to live in the rural areas in Nigeria or in Egypt and people are ready to uh, make a sacrifice for their own standard of living, for instance, because their standard of living is worse than in in the in the cities and it was in uh, in the rural area. But they do it for the children, for the prospect of growth and uh, of better prospect. The person who digs the sewers has to themselves live in the shit. Yeah. <laughs> interesting, interesting point there. Um, when when we come back, we'll dig a, a little bit deeper um, into the the trends um, that you're seeing in, in, in Europe uh, and in your travels abroad. Um, but first, uh, as is a tradition on the show, uh, it's uh, snack time. Snack time. Um, and you've brought a probably one of the, the classier uh, snacks that I've seen so far. I expect nothing less from the, from the Parisians. Um, but this is a, well, I'll let you describe it, but it strikes me as more Italian in nature. But please tell us what you well, What did my, you share? My name is Pavanello. Mm, so my grandfather was Italian. And he came in Paris just after, in France, just after the Second World War. And so what I'm seeing is we've got some, uh, looks like buffalo mozzarella, some tomatoes, carrots, some... And then maybe the French influence of uh, some some salmon pinwheels. Fascinating. Yes. So tell us where this all came from. Um, we wanted to offer you some healthy food. <laughs> um, this is the first point. The second point is that it's my birthday. Oh, happy oh, birthday. Happy birthday. Uh, I'm 25 years old just today. So uh, it was a gift. It is a gift. Um, in fact, I'm fond of uh, tomatoes and mozzarella. Uh, it's very healthy, very good. Uh, and I'm fond of salmon. Uh, in the sushi, but also like that. So that's why we decided to offer you that. And tomorrow we will be able to produce such vegetables in uh, in cities, at the very heart of cities. And uh, all the movement of urban farming is just mm. growing in New York, but uh, in a lot of uh, cities in the world. And uh, I think it's a real question for, for all of uh, us, how we can make city able to produce uh, their own energy, their own food, their own water in the in the coming years. Excellent. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll Let's dig in. We'll give this a try, and uh, we'll be right back. Are you looking to buy a home in New York City? Get more with Preview's industry-leading smart buyer rebate. Seamlessly search listings on Preview's end-to-end buyer platform. Purchase your home with the expert advice of a local agent. Plus, receive up to 2% cash back thanks to Preview's Smart Buyer Commission Rebate. Smart buyers get more with Preview. Go to previewapp.com backslash buyer. That's previewapp.com backslash buyer. Thank you again for uh, bringing those great snacks. They're uh, delicious to enjoy. Uh, we were talking earlier about a few different trends, uh, you know, construction, urbanization, um, but there are also, when it comes to real estate, there's political influences that come in as it relates to housing policy or, you know, you know Brexit, for example, that can cause major shifts in movement of, of people. Um, what have you witnessed over the last few years, um, for, you know, from your seat, from your vantage point, um, that's been positive and negative uh, for the real estate industry. Uh, 
I think you mentioned Brexit, for for instance. Uh, London was uh, one of the most attractive and largest cities uh, in the world in terms of GDP. J just to, to give some figures, uh, the largest city in the world by GDP, uh, the first one is Tokyo, the second one is New York, the third one is Los Angeles, the fourth one is London, and the fifth one is Paris. And they are the fifth, fifth, fifth largest cities in the world by GDP. Um, and London was uh, one of the top cities but since the Brexit a um, lot of investors or even people from abroad uh, which uh, worked in London as banker traders or even researchers uh, just now uh, look the city uh, differently and they ask uh, they ask uh, themselves some question about uh, staying in London or just relocating in some cities in Europe or even in uh, other continents Asia or the United States for instance and do you think you know countries like France have been opportunistic to attract uh, you know companies from abroad to come there or you know even specifically within France have you seen you know different policies um, trying to draw people to those urban centers yes I think regarding um, housing policies one of the main issue is that uh, governments has uh, to uh, simplify um, the Pro, the, the process uh, for people that wants to transform an office building into a residential building or a mall into a logistic uh, unit, something like that. Because districts are changing very fast and the residential district, maybe in 10 years, it will be a very good office district. So building have to uh, follow this, uh, th these trends. And uh, for example, in France, it's not very easy to transform an office building into a residential building. And um, a law that uh, was voted just one month ago uh, simplified uh, the process uh, for the, the, yes, the, to transform uh, office building into residential building. It's a main issue regarding uh, housing policies in France and maybe in US and other countries. And you had mentioned malls and obviously you know, when you think of malls or shopping it, you know, the trends or customs may be a little bit different in the U.S. versus versus other countries. Um, but the, the classic trend is always like the death of retail with the rise of e-commerce companies. Um, what trends have you been seeing in Europe as far as e-commerce versus uh, brick and mortar retail? In fact, uh, something that we are very proud of is uh, that um, in our events, in our meetup each month, we have some top executives uh, that comes to our event to... Uh, talk about their activity and uh, last month uh, the CEO of Unibail Rodamco that uh, bought uh, Westfield just two or three months ago um, take the speech during uh, our meetup and uh, he told us that uh, one of the main issues for him was to know their consumer as Amazon or as some e-commerce website knows their consumer. So one of the main issues for malls now uh, and for mall owners or for malls manager is to know well their consumer, uh, what they like and what they want to buy. I don't believe in retail apocalypse uh, as uh, some people uh, stated it, but uh, it's pretty clear that a uh, lot of mall, especially in uh, um in lagging areas of the country with uh, 
where people uh, where income or middle income classes is uh, shrinking uh, all these malls are just uh, disappearing or have to, to change uh, have to to create uh, new new ways uh, of attracting people maybe more and more uh, Uh, entertainment, retailment, which is the, the merging between retail and entertainment, uh, maybe more and more uh, small uh, services, uh, pr pr proximity services, uh, such as, uh, for instance, uh, kid watching uh, services or kindergarten um, uh, building, and they have to uh, reinvent uh, parts of the the, service, the services they, they offer uh, and. All the malls, uh, which are located too far away from uh, urban uh, urban areas, are just like uh, condemned because uh, people are not uh, are not able to spend too much money on uh, gas uh, and gasoline to to go to a, to to a, uh, a commercial uh, commercial uh, a retail uh, space and just coming back uh, to to home. So they have to to reinvent themselves. How are you guys seeing retail within kind of the the city centers that we've been talking about? Is that Is there any change happening, not so much in the kind of malls that are, as you're saying, somewhat farther away from where people are actually living now, but changes that are occurring right in the uh, the buildings that are transforming during this retail shift? It's quite performing. Uh, it's performing quite well uh, in uh, in the very uh, art uh, of uh, vibrant cities, for instance, uh, retail, retail, retail. Uh, Uh, leasing uh, continue to to perform quite uh, quite well, and I think uh, such uh, stores are able to to uh, reinvent themselves more rapidly, to change, to to uh, to create new concepts, uh, to to be kind uh, of uh, uh, one shot uh, stores, pop up stores, and then disappear. So. Uh, to, to mix some, for instance, restaurants and shopping experience, to mix some cultural and uh, shopping experience. And I, I think in the... V In the very art of cities like Paris or New York or London, uh, retail will continue to to be very uh, very attractive and very uh, uh, very very recreative. And we talked a little bit about you know policies at the political level, but when you think about real estate technology or any technological innovation, you know money is involved, right? The, these entrepreneurs need to be funded um, to bring some of these ideas to life. Um, You know what trends are you seeing, or what action are you taking to to help uh, you know, fund these entrepreneurs? What we see is that um, there are lots of funds dedicated to real estate startups. About ten in um, in United States, Fifth Wall is the main one uh, in California, with more than two hundred millions. Um, you have five, four, six uh, funds in Asia dedicated to this topic, to this trend. Uh, you have one small fund in London, but you don't have any fund in continental Europe. And we think that it's important um, for this startup, for this real estate startup in this very uh, tricky sector with lots of regulation, lots of rules to um, raise fund from specialized or dedicated fund, not generalist fund. We have lots of generalist fund in Paris, but they don't really invest in real estate startup because they don't really like this topic. It's long-term industry, 
uh, if we compare to uh, like uh, social networks or stuff like that, uh, you have lots of regulation on on, uh, on real estate industry, on construction industry, and the generalist um, venture fund are not likely to invest in the, in the real estate startups. So that's why, and Robin will uh, talk about that, we are launching uh, uh, a venture fund dedicated to real estate startups. Well, at, at a broad level, we can say that around 10 billion euros uh, just go each year in real estate tech startups uh, in the world. Uh, more, at least uh, 5% go from European, continental European startups. It's a shame. It's really a shame. More money for real estate startups uh, is raising in New York, in just the city of New York, than in the world continental Europe. It's not possible to, 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 continue, uh, to continue on this trend. Uh, and because just at the end, uh, we as European, we will lost all the control of our real estate <coughs> assets in the in the future if we are not able to create new companies, uh, very innovative companies like WeWork, uh, like VTS, like Catera, like uh, Airbnb, uh, obviously, uh, which are uh, the best managers, the new manager of the, the real estate uh, assets. So uh, as, uh, as Vincent said, uh, we are building uh, the first uh, venture capital fund uh, for real estate startups in continental Europe. It is roughly speaking $60 million. Uh, the first LPs are large corporates, uh, large rates, large general contractors in France. We are aware uh, of the current disruptions, the, the risk of disruption of the, of the sector. And the other part of LPs are very, um, very uh, uh, rich families or high net worth with a lot of real estate portfolios, and they are aware that the current, these current startups could totally change the value, the real value of the assets they own. So they are kind of interested to have a kind of a fit in the door and to be able to understand the current uh, disruption transformation. So we are, we are, we are launching real estate ventures and uh, we will uh, very, uh, very happy to make our first investment in the autumn of 2018. Congratulations on that. Uh, Thanks. Exciting. I'm, I was curious about the, the LPs in this fund. So you're saying that they're the REITs and, and family offices and others that have an established portfolio or vested interest in what's happening in real estate. So in, in continental Europe, do you see them as investing in this fund to kind of be defensive against losing a foothold against how the world is changing or because they see a large economic opportunity because even though the time horizons are longer than a, a generalized fund might might be interested in, they see the growth of real estate being one that they understand and want to get a part of. They are offensive. Uh, they are offensive because a lot of uh, other players in the game are just like uh, uh, seeing the current disruption and thinking they are not concerned by. Uh, so the guys we are talking, uh, we, we are talking to, the guys uh, who are willing to invest money uh, into our funds, they are the most info offensive in the, in, the, in the room. And uh, we were very happy to, to partner uh, with, uh, with them. But I'm very, uh, I'm very anxious when 
I when I see how a lot of big players, people with billions under management, 10 billions of management, are just looking the current transformation and just consider they are not they are not concerned by and from my point of view, all every real estate players uh, will be concerned by the current transformation from the financing industry uh, large uh, large uh, rates uh, from the from the building perspective general contractors uh, developers uh, from the from the property side realtors uh, in, Fra in, some, in France some some realtors just consider that they are not concerned by VR technology by AR technology by pro, pro, uh, by uh, advertising on Facebook or Instagram, uh, but we have to do that because nobody is waiting for us. Now, you, you, you're armed with this you know, new fund. What are the types of companies you're most focused on to invest in? We will be focused on continental uh, companies, uh, especially in the construction sector because we think that we can, uh, that, that construction sector has to, um, yes, achieve lots of productivity gains. Uh, so we think that we have lots of gap uh, to progress in this uh, in this sector uh, it won't be a very small uh, company it won't be very early stage investment it will be investment between two and five millions uh, per company uh, as a consequence we'll invest in 10 or 15 companies with the the world fund so it would be that kind of uh, investments and we we will target, uh, as Vincent said, uh, construction tech companies and prop tech companies, more traditional, um, uh, able to provide new software, more efficient software to uh, traditional players, like uh, for instance VTS did uh, did in the in the US, uh, providing a very good. Uh, tool for asset manager uh, we we can do the same in uh, in uh, in Europe and uh, our own uh, asset manager uh, need to to upgrade their um, software uh, software tools and there, there is a market to, to provide them with new new more efficient tools and so as it relates to real estate when you guys started this community a couple years ago was this always your end game to uh, create a fund or is this a realization of of as you were building the community, the need to further invest in those members of the community came about. No, in fact, uh, during our meetups and during uh, yes, uh, the meeting with startups and with corporates, we understand two things. The first thing is that, as I said before, startups want to raise money from dedicated funds and not from generalized funds. And the second point is that uh, big corporates uh, try to invest directly in startups without, without uh, a fund, just directly. And in fact, um, the, the analysis of these investments is not very good. It's very difficult for corporates because they don't really understand the startup. It's very difficult for startups to have a big corporates as a direct LP because it's difficult to work with LP's competitor. And when you are B2B for, with B2B business, you have to work with the competitor of your LPs. So it's quite difficult. So we understand that. And then we decided to uh, create a venture fund. We we have a goal at the beginning. We have a goal which was re really to reduce real estate cost uh, in the household uh, expenditures. Uh, we create a community. More and more people uh, aggregate uh, to 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 the community, and uh, in 
uh, at the beginning uh, we were 40 50 and uh, <laughs> and now we have 300 each uh, each year in paris but in a, in a lot of cities in france more sm smaller cities uh, even in uh, in uh, over cities in in, uh, in europe uh, and the fund was like an evidence because uh, it was like something obvious for 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 us uh, because some companies were some startups we we helped to expand just uh, told us that they need to have people able to reconnect real estate as a classical uh, traditional asset and tech uh, and uh, the, the the merge of uh, of the two world was uh, was uh, something uh, which was uh, required both by startups and uh, traditional real estate players and this is the reason why we we launched uh, the uh, the funds yeah, I mean, as, uh, as Scott said earlier, can you congrat very much congratulations on the fund? Uh, it's very exciting to see you know, people focused on in investing in real estate tech because uh, it's definitely it's not everybody hears the big numbers and the billions that are going into these startups, but a lot of it's going into probably five to ten companies globally. So uh, it's good that uh, other other entrepreneurs are getting money. So, uh, but no, congratulations! Uh, and when we come back, uh, we'll learn a little bit beyond res, uh, real, uh, real tech, and a little bit more about you as individuals. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. This is Vikram Iyer, former advisor to President Barack Obama. Have you been opening your Twitter account or Facebook feeds or even just talking to families and friends and wondering what the heck is going on in this country? Well, it's not as bad as you think, but we're going to unpack that for you. Join me at the American Enough podcast on the Mouth Media Network as we unpack the policies, executive orders, and daily kerfuffles that are shaping not just this administration, but the modern face of America's politics. Episodes available at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. Keep up with the show on Instagram and Facebook at Real Estate Biz Show and with hashtag MouthMedia. Plus, check out all of the MouthMedia Network shows at MouthMediaNetwork.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. We had a great introduction of res, uh, Real Estate uh, and your venture fund, uh, as well as your book, uh, Make Real Estate Great Again. Um, but in the final segment of every show, we like to ask some personal questions to learn a little bit more about uh, the people behind uh, the stories. Um, and I'd like to kick it off um, because when we first met uh, earlier today, uh, you said that you were staying in a co-living space um, in your visit to New York. Um, and I'd be curious to understand um, the inspiration of it. And is it, you know, your seeing how co-living is as a potential investment or uh, and also how that experience was so far. In fact, um, I am at WeLive uh, on Wall Street. So in the WeWork building, you have three levels of WeWork and then you have maybe 10 or 15 levels of uh, WeLive, uh, which is the only one or maybe one. Yeah, there are two uh, WeLive in the in US, I think, now. So it is uh, maybe the, the biggest. Um, the first thing I noticed yesterday evening when I arrived is that um, the units are very big. 
uh, it's about maybe 35 or maybe 40 uh, square meter, which is very big and which is bigger than an hotel uh, room. Um, the second point is that you can stay one week in New York without leaving the building because uh, you have a shop uh, open 24-24. Uh, of course, you can uh, drink a beer with friends. Um, yeah, you have all, all you need is in the building. So this is the, 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 the first thing I noticed. Um, the second thing I noticed, but uh, when I book uh, the the room uh, three three weeks ago, is that uh, it is in the center of um, of Manhattan, in the in the center of the financial district. I I I'm not sure about um, the success of that kind of co living space, uh, not in the city center, because uh, if you decide to 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 go on on the co living space, it's because you want to be just next to everything. Uh, so I think it's very important. And it's the same thing uh, in the co-working industry in France. In France, co-working uh, space, we, which are in the center of cities, cities are um, are successful. But the ones that are not are empty or semi-empty. So that's it. I'm more Brooklyn than uh, than Manhattan, so uh, <laughs> I'm at uh, the Pod, just uh, on the the Metropolitan Avenue in Williamsburg. Uh, it's it's quite interesting because it's just like uh, the, the total gentrification of the of the neighborhood. It's like uh, it's like crazy. This uh, this uh, this hotel opened uh, seven months uh, seven months ago, uh, and uh, the neighborhood is like crazy. Uh, each time I I come back, uh, new buildings have uh, has arisen and. Uh, and uh, it's uh, it's very very uh, impressive uh, to see how rapidly the, the real estate tissue is able to to be to change and to evolve. And it's a very important difference uh, from, uh, from from Europe because uh, we 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 see uh, some similar trends of gentrification, but it's so long compared to to the the, 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 the the quickness of uh, such a change. Yeah, New York doesn't have the same hesitation to tear down a building and build something up new. But granted, yeah. we didn't have you know castles from medieval <laughs> era to to worry about. But it definitely contributes. I'm curious, how did you guys get into the space, right? So, how did you get into thinking about cities and the real estate industry, and then opening a fund? What was your origin story? In fact, I work in the real estate, in the traditional real estate industry, because I work for kind of fun, a family office, um, a French family office. Uh, we, we invest 90% of the, the fund into real estate projects and especially in real estate developments in Eastern Europe. So uh, I lived in the Warsaw in Poland, uh, for example, for, for one year. Um, I spent lots of time in Romania. I spent lots of time in Prague and uh, cities like that. Um, and I experienced um, the the... the, the yeah, the lack of innovation in the sector. For uh, for, for example, uh, two years ago in Varso, uh, someone, a broker, came and offered us a building and uh, we asked him uh, who is the owner of the building. And they didn't know because behind the broker, you have two other brokers. So in fact, uh, it's just impossible uh, to work like that. And uh, so I experienced the lack of innovation and that's why uh, we decided, or I decided with Robin, uh, to create Realistic. It's just the consequence of a very bad experience in the investment, in the real estate investment industry, uh, tools, uh, everything is about Excel. Uh, 
and I don't like Excel uh, because you can collaborate on Excel, for example, just the basic thing. Um, so yes, bad experience. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, uh, Robin, you mentioned earlier that you're more Brooklyn than Manhattan. Um, what are what are some of the hipper areas of Paris um, that uh, you know, people are, you know, the younger people are moving to or living in? Uh, the, it is in the, in the northern parts uh, of Paris. Uh, it is the 18th neighborhood, which was uh, very uh, in uh, in the past uh, uh, low low income uh, low income areas, uh, and now it is a uh, it is a very arty and very uh, trendy uh, part of the cities and outside Paris, because Paris is a very small city, uh, but the urban area is quite uh, large and 12 million inhabitants uh, where, when you look at the, at the, at the metropolitan area. Uh, but Paris is a small city, only 2 million inhabitants. But when you, you, you go outside, there is some city in the northern parts, which is uh, Saint-Ouen, Saint-Denis, uh, which are very, uh, very famous and now very arty, very trendy kind of uh, Brooklyn. And Last uh, last month, uh, a reporter from the the New York um, uh, the New Yorker uh, j- just uh, wrote a paper about the Grand Paris, which is kind of a Greater Paris, which is uh, uh, concerned all the the urban area. And uh, she she called Pantin, which is a small city at the east uh, at the east of Paris, the New Brooklyn. Uh, so mm-hmm. maybe uh, maybe we can uh, we can deliver. So we didn't get your uh, your origins. Or I'd love to hear how you kind of uh, got into this space to begin with. I was born in a, in an, a, uh, in former industrial coal mining city. Uh, it, now it is a kind of uh, discrepancy because uh, the, the coal industry uh, in France, but uh, also in the US or in other in other parts of the of the developed countries, has totally disappeared and crashed. Uh, and uh, at the end of my st- study, I. I, I I went to to Paris for for studies, uh, and uh, I work in the in the private uh, sector in charge of uh, the airport of Paris. I was an advisor of the CEO, and uh, I've been the the person in charge of uh, uh, attracting foreign investors in the in the Paris uh, region. So to to make. Uh, to, to make Paris uh, great again <laughs> uh, and uh, and to, to attract a, a bank for relocating from London to Paris for following the Brexit, uh, R&D, uh, R&D laboratories uh, from big tech company uh, to, to come to, to Paris or Chinese investors or Middle East, uh, Middle East uh, Eastern uh, investors to invest huge money in the real estate uh, industry in, uh, in Paris. And uh, I have to ask, just because it's it's very obvious, but very clever on your part, um, the title of the book. What was the inspiration of the title of the book? I don't remember. I it means both of us. I don't remember. I can't you may not be as aware of the no. uh, degree of controversy <laughs> around that phraseology. Yes, we need to be aggressive because nobody, nobody was waiting for 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 us. So we need to 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 choose an aggressive title. Uh, real estate was part of the career of uh, of President uh, of President Trump. So the, the kind of uh, uh, the pun uh, was quite was quite uh, obvious. I can't really remember the, yeah. the moment, but, but I remember that 
the name the word real estate it's probably yes re real estate is a kind of pun as well uh, and it is a, a proprietary brand uh, in the us and in france in europe in general and uh, and it's uh, we love we love pun in general <laughs> no it's uh, it's very it's very memorable so um it's been a great opportunity to to chat with you both today Uh, we'd like to give all of our guests uh, a moment for uh, a final thought to share with the audience. Um, what would you like to to share? Uh, we we are thank you for for your invitation. Um, we we want to to make real estate great again, but uh, also cheaper and must um, uh, fitted with people uh, people needs. We have a very focus on Europe, uh, France, but also Germany and and the UK and uh, over countries in Europe. We uh, we can help startups willing to explore such uh, such area uh, to make the right connection. So don't hesitate to contact uh, to contact us. Uh, our, our email address. Uh, My email address is uh, Robin uh, dot uh, Rivaton R I V A T O N um, at uh, realestake uh, dot EU, uh, and uh, we, we can reach me on uh, LinkedIn or Twitter or anything, <laughs> any social network you, you you want. But we will really happy to create a huge community uh, in Europe, but also to to create uh, ties and bonds with uh, US uh, US people, uh, Asian uh, people from Asia, from uh, from Middle East. Uh, I think. Uh, uh, we can collectively reinvent uh, real estate and make our cities more livable in the in the coming years. Yes, thank you guys for having us today. Um, as a conclusion, um, I would like to say that uh, we will make real estate great again if women are more involved in this revolution. We made a research in Europe and especially in France, 90, between 90 and 95% of the startup founders are men between 90 and 95. So I think it's a big challenge for real estate and for women to, uh, yeah, to, to, to participate uh, in this uh, revolution. And today, five men. So <laughs> it, 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 it shows it that it uh, it's difficult because lots of men are working in a traditional real estate. Uh, in a traditional real estate, there is an imbalance. So it's very difficult. But if we want to make real estate great again, women must be involved in this uh, revolution. Yeah, we, uh, we appreciate you sharing that. That's a, a topic that has come up on the show. Um, so we appreciate you, uh, you bring that to, to light as well. Um, and, uh, and thank you both for being here. And thank you to everyone for listening and for Scott. Bye, everyone. And I'm Tom. And real estate is your business. You've been listening to Real Estate Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for this show or to become a sponsor, email us at realestatebizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Real Estate Biz Show. That's Real Estate B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, realestateisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network and brought to you by Preview. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening.
This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.